Welcome to All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. All Bodies on Bikes is a movement to create and foster a size-inclusive bike community. So join your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Marley. As we explore the complexities of the biking world, help us break down barriers and create the world that we want to see. And don't forget that all bodies really means all bodies, not just larger bodies, but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Marley. How's it going? I am really good. How are you? I'm doing good. It feels like we finally turned... Ooh. So it feels like we finally turned a corner, at least in Arkansas, towards spring weather, even though it did okay, snow yes. two inches yesterday. But we've had okay. like consistently many days above 50 degrees. And I'm like, there's a light. Nice. How are we have the warm, but we've been having the rain mm. is what mm. we've been having. So uh, all the greenways are just mud puddles at this have point. Have you been able to commute through the rain? I know bike commuting has been like one of your goals this year. Yeah. Um, so I have done it a couple times. I had somebody at work actually ask me about that the other day. And I was like, well, I've got my rain pants and I wear a raincoat and then I've got my clever hood. And they were like, um, I need pictures of this because you sound like you're just got your cape flapping in the wind and I need pictures. I so. might also need pictures. I was going <laughs> to ask, have you been wearing your clever hood? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Um, clever hood is a longtime sponsor of the show. We super appreciate them. We do um, love them. Well, I'm stoked for today's guest. Um, yes. They are doing incredible work um, with some youth programming, which we don't talk about much on here. You know, All Bodies on mm -hmm. Bikes. Um, I think our somebody asked me about this the other day. Our target audience tends to be adults, but there's no reason why we don't include youth. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this conversation. It's going to be awesome. Do you want to go ahead and introduce her? Let's do. Let's Great. do that. Um, we're going to be talking with Denise Aquino today. Uh, Denise brings 10 plus years of nonprofit experience in sport-based youth development with three years as a collegiate rowing coach and three years as a middle school rowing coach. All of her work is grounded in socioeconomic accessibility and racial equity, eliminating financial barriers to the transformative power of sport, which we are very familiar with. Yes. Uh, her 2022 work was featured in the Boston Globe, Sport Gazette UK, World Rowing, and Netherlands Rowing with an acronym. In the same year, her podcast was nominated by Diversity in Aquatics. Denise holds a master's degree in youth studies, focusing on youth development, and is a proud daughter of Philippine immigrants. She's proud to call herself a queer woman of color so that all youth, regardless of identity, can feel they can take up space and experience the transformative power of sports. Having joined the group El Grupo in June 2023, she looks forward to growing El Grupo while grounding it in its mission to empower youth through bicycles. We love that. Welcome, Denise. Thank you so much for having me, Maggie and Marley. <laughs> I have so many questions about rowing. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the point of today's show. We can talk about oh, that later. Another time, another time. Yeah, Yeah, we're here to talk about El Grupo Youth Cycling. Yeah, um, we are. Can you tell us about El Grupo? Um, you oh know, gosh. What is the organization? What are the goals? Um, what are some of the programs you do to help reach those goals? Yeah, well, I'm always happy to talk about El Grupo, uh, which uh, is based in Tucson, Arizona. And by the way, just just preface everything that I say about Tucson, Arizona, that 
I've only lived here eight months and I've only been at the job for eight months. So I will do my best and encompass everything. But El Grupo has been around for a long time. It's been around for almost 19 years and it exists to empower youth through cycling. Uh, currently, we have over seven programs that reach over 250 youth per year. Uh, after school, we reach 150 youth. Um, but our summer bike camps do have a pretty strong outreach as well. And our, I, I didn't know there could be so many programs just for biking. Right. Yeah. I, I was looking through your website and it's really cool. You know, you have like the leadership development program mm -hmm. and you've got the summer camps and you've got all sorts of things going on. So it sounds really, really cool. Um, yeah. What are, So you mentioned, you know, the goals are to empower youth through cycling. Um, you know, I, and you mentioned you've only been there for eight months. That's awesome. I also recently moved to a new place. Um, and so kudos to you. Moving is really hard. It's and so I don't hard. think we talk about that enough. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's it's so hard. It's so hard. So hard. Um, and so, you know, obviously you didn't you weren't the founder of El Grupo. You're currently the executive mm -hmm. director. Um, but, you know, what inspired the creation of El Grupo Youth Cycling? Yeah. So just the dogs, the dog heard there was a podcast and wanted to be involved. <laughs> um, uh, so in, in 2005, the founders, which at the time were a young couple, uh, Ignacio Rivera de Rosales and Daniela Diamante. Uh, they're a young couple and they had this dream to cr make cycling accessible to all youth of Tucson. And I think for a really long time, they didn't charge at all for programming. I think for a really long time, they didn't get paid. All the money, all the equipment, everything went directly to the kids, directly to the program. But mm. obviously over time, in order to be sustainable, that changed. Um, the mission, however, has not changed at all, which is to empower you through bicycles. And what does that mean? I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I think we use the bicycle as the vehicle, both literally and figuratively, to teach kids about self-trust. You know, when you get on the bike, they're navigating on the same roads as angry drivers or friendly drivers. And to teach a seven-year-old how to do that is pretty incredible i mean i am not taking any credit for it at all because like i said like new to tucson new to cycling new to all of this but our coaches do such an amazing job just making sure that our kids both care about the community care about the people that they're riding with and care about their own agency on the bike and how has the organization involved evolved since then i mean they went from 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 you know, serving 30 kids to now serving over, you know, 250 kids. And it's with, incredible <laughs> with a pretty strong trajectory. So I, I'd say there's there's a lot of good growth uh, to be had. Yeah. Um, I have a quick follow up on that. That's not on yeah. our list of questions. Oh, but um, how do you how do you guys get connected to the youth that are in the programs? Is it school specific mm. or do the youth mm. seek this out? Ooh, a mix of both. So for some of our programs, it's more of a club. Uh, where kids come from different schools. And then we do have two programs that are associated specifically with schools. Uh, and these schools are uh, within like one or two miles of the clubhouse. And we did that intentionally to make sure that, you know, we're serving those in the area of where the clubhouse is versus bringing folks from the outside and then bringing them to the neighborhood that the Elk Rebuild Clubhouse is in. 
So just making sure that socioeconomic accessibility is always there. And if kids can, for example, walk to the clubhouse, then imagine what empowers them to, how that might empower them to, you know, walk to the grocery store, walk to the park, mm. walk to the splash pad and give them that sense of independence and agency at such a young age. Very That's cool. fantastic. Um, 20 years of growth, eight months of growth for you. What are some like standout success stories or like big experiences that that y'all have experienced? Yeah, I mean, it. there's such a big spectrum. I mean, I can talk about our race team where we had last summer, we had two boys race at Tor. Oh, I'm not going to get the name right. Oh, this is going to be embarrassing. Is it Libby? Okay. It's, it's something in Canada. It's a, a race in Canada. There we go. <laughs> oh, that it. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They made it to Canada. That one. Uh, so two of our two of our uh, young high school boys made it yeah. out there, and it's apparently it's one of those races where you get tapped on the shoulder and invited to go. You don't, you know, you don't apply. You just very very fancy. Uh, so there's 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 you know outstanding stories like that. To for example, our bike packing team. They were gonna go on a on a on a two day multi whatever bike packing trip, and they didn't want one of their newer, less experienced teammates to feel excluded. So they're like, "No, no, no, we're not gonna do that two day thing. We're gonna make it an overnight trip." And they told their coach. They told their coach. They're like, no, "Okay, she's not gonna get left behind. Heck yes. We're gonna do this instead." And the fact that you know teenagers. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, 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 we're not leaving you behind. To me, I'm like, that's a success story. There's no levels for that. But that, to me, is a su- success story. And, um, oh, my gosh, I could go on and on. How much time do we have? I have. <laughs> I'll do one more. I'll do one more. Please. So there's yesterday, one of our boys from race team, he's 14 years old. Just, you know, put that for scale. A 14-year-old boy, <laughs> he fixed up some bikes that, you know, there's, there's just, the bikes always need fixing up. And he was like, oh, well, instead of selling this, I'm going to give this to our one of our bike club programs, you know, and this program, you know, access to bikes is what a thousand two thousand dollars if you're buying a brand new bike. Yeah. And instead of selling this on eBay, which I don't know how many high school boys would think to do that or adults rather. (laughs) But he was like, no, 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 I'm going to I'm going to gift these. And not only that, but one of the boys in that program junior he was able to ride without training wheels for the first time because he finally had a bike that was Heck his yes. size so our kids are amazing yeah. I guess that's huge They're so amazing I feel like it's fantastic you know and I I don't have children um I I get to interact with a lot of kids but kids are really incredible and I think that we we often don't give them the credit for both like altruism and teamwork and inclusion. Um, and I, I like to think back to when I was a teen and those were things that I valued. Um, and so I don't know why we don't think that kids are capable of it, but I think oh, it's yeah. just because we hear so many awful stories about how they're all on Snapchat or TikTok and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, both of those things can be true. They can mm-hmm. be really into TikTok dances and <laughs> really good friends to the fellow people on their bikepacking team or whatnot. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. TikTok is 
Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Both can exist at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. Well, kind of on that same note, um, you know, I haven't been a kid in a long time. I'm almost 40. But can you talk about some of like the unique challenges that young cyclists face? Um, and how does El Grupo help address those challenges? That's a great question. You know, when you initially brought this up, I was thinking like, well, challenges kids face are no different than what challenges us adults face. Like, I too need some encouragement before riding down that very steep hill or, you know, moving across the country or whatever it is. I, I So at first I was thinking that, but specific to El Grupo, we really, really, really are passionate about making sure that the sport of cycling is accessible. So for example, yesterday I was on the phone with, um, actually, let me start that over. A while back, I was on the phone with uh, a family who apologized while asking for financial assistance. And I said, whoa, 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 please don't apologize. Please don't apologize for asking for help. I mean, growing up, my mom had to ask for help. And I think a lot of us have similar situations where, you know, we need a little assistance every now and then. And the amazing part, I guess the second best part of my job, only second to riding with the kids, the second best part of my job is telling folks, no, we have we have scholarships, we have funds specifically available just so that everyone of any socioeconomic uh, background can bike. And all kids have to show up with is clothes, <laughs> uh, a heartbeat. Um, you don't even have to have a full belly. We have we have food, we have snacks, we have helmets of all different sizes, bikes of all different sizes, because those kids grow unlike. You know, I, I haven't grown in a while. So all those kids keeping on growing, we have the, we have the safety equipment available. And uh, one of our founders calls it a shorts and T-shirt program, which, like I said, you just you just show up and we'll take care of the rest. So I don't even remember what your question was. Just some <laughs> of the challenges that youth face. But I, I oh. love that, that like you guys are truly removing barriers toward oh, to yeah. getting kids on bikes like they just got to show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even mention the bilingual aspect. I mean, it's called El Grupo, right? So we we do have coaches who speak both in Spanish and English because we want to make sure it's inclusive to everyone. So mm-hmm. all the challenges, it's, we, we try to eliminate them to the best of our ability. Very cool. Sounds like you're pretty able in that field. <laughs> so doing a great well, job. <laughs> I'm trying. There's, there, you know, the rowing world has a lot of skills to translate in terms of elitist sports, ex- exclusive sports, uh, upper class sports. So it's it's a new sport to navigate, but ultimately, ultimately, we're just we're just trying to open doors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um. I forgot English. It's back. It sounds like the the most of the like work to create community and teamwork is just happening from the young people up. Mm-hmm. But um, amongst the leaders, what are some of the main ways y'all work to kind of foster community and and teamness? Oh my gosh! Oh, from the top, how how do we? Well, let's be clear: the kids are at the top, right? No, That's it's... yeah. I'm not running the show. The kids are really, <laughs> no, I mean it. Yeah. I, I listen to them all the time. Actually, we had a, we had a glove design contest because um, okay. apparently you need cycling gloves. I was like, I thought hands were good enough, but that you need cycling gloves to cycle yeah. 
and I don't know. I still use my winter gloves because it works just fine. There but anyway, <laughs> so we had we had a cycling glove contest. And instead of me, you know, sitting in my closet like I am right now, designing some glove for kids, I was like, no, 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 no. You all tell me what you want and you all vote on it. Yeah. And so in terms of you ask, you, I mean, you're Maggie, you're asking about how do we foster community? I think it's what you're doing, which is passing the mic, giving other people the chance to take up space, giving other people the chance to show us what they're made of and maybe show them, show us a side of themselves that we haven't seen before. Like the winner of our glove design contest, no one, even his mom had no idea this kid was artistic. Wow. wow. <laughs> she was like, I had no idea that he drew that he drew. And I was like, well, he's winning in the contest. So surprise. <laughs> so Amazing. I, I, I love that. it all to the kids. They're 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 too good. I, I have the I have the best job in the world. It sounds like it. I'm a little jealous, although my job's pretty good too. Um, yeah, I think I think you do raise a really good point though. You know, through all of this, something that's coming clear to me is that like bikes are just one of the tools for this community building. You know, it's it's more about empowerment and leadership and skill building among the youth. And the bicycle is like the way that you're 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 getting to that that means, I guess. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Um well, so I was creeping on your website like a, a good podcast researcher. Um, and it looks like, you know, you guys do all kinds of riding and you've already mentioned it. You know, you've got like a race team. looks like you guys do mountain biking, some touring, mm-hmm. bikepacking. Um, is there any genre that's like more popular amongst the youth? Mm-hmm. Or how do you like decide what type of riding for what program? Ooh, well, I definitely don't decide. Like Miss Rowing World over here, I do not tell there are no bodies of water. That's a side. Anyway, we do mostly <laughs> mountain biking. <laughs> we do mostly mountain biking. I think, and this is this is my inexperience with cycling, but maybe, or you know what? Positive. This is my learning with yeah. cycling. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. reframe. <laughs> Reframing that. I you know, were clearly like... hired for a reason. And it's <laughs> It doesn't have to be because you're an expert cyclist. Like you clearly know how to develop youth into incredible people. Um, so it's okay that you don't know the cycling world inside and out. You know, I appreciate you saying that actually as a side note to the other side note, I have gotten the comment, oh, you don't even look like a cyclist. Oh. And I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry that me being on a bike doesn't make me look like a cyclist. Yeah. So I think that's just like, the back of my head insecurity whenever I mm. whenever I explain something when I don't really have a lot of years of knowledge with it but I mean I look at our inventory and I'm like well we have more mountain bikes so I can tell you that by default we do use more mountain bikes and because the tires are fatter it's more accessible to the little kids like our youngest kid is seven and and I don't know. I can't imagine a seven-year-old on a road bike, but who knows? Who knows? I've seen it. But- it's kind of funny looking. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's, I well, mean, now you're making I, me imagine. Res- respectfully. <laughs> yes. Respectfully. It's just, you know, like children are We're so tiny and especially if they put on like a, a kit. Um, and so like, 
it just really accentuates how small their bodies are. And especially like with road bikes with like the skinny little tires, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you are such a tiny miniature little human. Um, it's adorable. <laughs> I love it. It's like, it's incredible to see. Um, but for some reason, I think we're just more used to seeing kids on mountain bikes um, or yeah. that style of bike. Um, but yeah, little kids on road bikes is very cute. <laughs> it's a, oh, well... We did get donated these tiny handlebars. And I kid you not, they were like maybe like 10 inches wide. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was, anyway, anyway, um, mountain biking is the majority. <laughs> mountain biking. <laughs> this is, if there was an arc of the conversation, it would just look like a bunch of spirals um, upwards, though. Spiraling That's my upwards. brain. So we're oh. all on the same page. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. Yes, no problem. <laughs> thank you for including us. Yes. Um, yeah, majority of mountain biking, some road, those are mostly race team, and some touring, sometimes that's bike packing, sometimes gravel. Uh, I think that's just mostly race team also. Yeah, but it's mostly mountain biking. Super fun. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, the lovely thing about a mountain bike is like you can ride it on the road, whereas like a road bike, you're definitely more limited to the terrain that you can ride it on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and there's and there's a lot of desert here so that the mountain bike makes makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah for sure uh what are the like main ages that you're working with uh seven through 17 seven through 17 yeah that's quite the span oh yeah yeah it's 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 a lot actually one of the, my favorite photos there's one of our like senior kids teaching one of our like, I just learned how to ride a bike, kids. And the, <laughs> I feel like you can stack three of the little kids to, <laughs> to make the, the tall kids high because there's, they, they have, there's a wide span of height, wide span yeah. of ages. Yeah. It's, Do you, are the programs so primarily like, um, and I, I could see this from your website, but I'm wanting to share it with the audience. Are they mm -hmm. primarily like age group together? So you've got the, the younger kids together, you've got the older kids together. And is there much opportunity for crossover? Ooh, great question. There is there is opportunity for a crossover. We do have quote unquote tryouts where it's more or less they're trying out the program versus we're sussing them out. Although we do want to teach them to rise to the challenge, obviously. Uh, but in terms of different age and skill levels, I think we keep them more towards their skill levels. So you might have, for example, a really skilled and mature nine-year-old riding with a 14-year-old um but it all depends on on skill level i mean for example <clears throat> i'm a mid 30 something year old woman and i am in group b of grupito which there's three groups so i will almost i will get it to group a one day and sometime maybe one day graduate out of grupito but until then you know it's all according to skill level the kids are really encouraging, though, which is awesome. I love that. That sounds fun. And it's funny. I actually, my good friend Molly Cameron is, I don't know if she has moved there full time yeah. uh, or it was just wintering there. I don't know. But she's put up <laughs> some pictures recently of the Grupito cycling. And I'm like, that looks so fun. Oh, my, You know, so Molly did join us on that Steamboat Gravel Grants Pass ride. Oh, she, it was so, so much fun. Um, And actually... It was so funny. I met her at Foco Fondo last year because I was embarrassing myself riding in the back of the pack. <laughs> Nothing to be embarrassed um, about there. 
Oh, thank you. Well, I was I was in the back and there was one person hanging in the back with me and they said, first time in a group ride, huh? And I like, you know, squeaked out like, yes, and it was Molly Cameron. And ever since then, Molly and I kept in touch. And ever since she's been in Tucson, she's ridden the kids a few times, which is pretty awesome. That is awesome. Oh, I love that. Um, I, I, you know, I had a conversation earlier today. The biking world is small um, and mm-hmm. we are so well connected, which is so lovely. Um, well, before we switch gears and talk about your journey into cycling and how that's going, um, I want to make sure that folks know about how they can support El Grupo. So mm-hmm. y'all are a nonprofit. Um, how can people get involved? How can they find more information? How can they donate? Um, what support does El Grupo need? Yeah, I mean, all of the above, all of the above. We're we're so grateful to have friends like you, have friends like Molly, who are able to, to you know, reach out and either pass the mic or spend some time riding with the kids and all of the above we appreciate. Uh, we do have a pretty active Instagram, um, El Grupo Youth Cycling. So check us out on Instagram, give us a follow. Uh, I just posted Jacob's story today about um, fixing up the bike. So if you really want to read that and see the photos and see Junior taking his first pedals, pedals, strokes, what is it? Pedalings? Yeah. Pedal strokes. Pedal yeah. strokes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so used to rowing. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. So if you want to see Junior taking his first pedal strokes on the bike, uh, I just posted that today, but. Yeah, El Grupo Youth Cycling on Instagram or check us on our website at elgrupocycling.org. Awesome. Um, Okay, so now we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about your journey. Um, It would be kind of silly to be an executive director of a cycling nonprofit uh, and not ride bikes. Um, And so, you know, you've you've told us and you've talked a little bit about it, that you Mm -hmm. are a newer gravel cyclist. And if I'm not making this up, you're going to Mid-South. Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. Nice. Um, so what has that journey been like? Um, how did you decide to get into gravel and challenges and victories? And tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Well, for for the longest time, I had this hybrid bike that I think I bought over 10 years ago. And I was like, well, I don't really want to bike on the road because I don't want to get hit by a car. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I heard about this gravel thing. And at the time I was living in Florida um, and Instagram is so helpful. I don't know if it's the algorithm or the search engine. I also don't want to give a shout out to Instagram, but it's, it's very helpful. You know what I mean? Like it is, I I was able to find um, Dora, the gravel explorer in Florida. (laughs) I've met Dora. She's incredible. She's the kindest person. So when you ask how I got into gravel cycling, my answer is Dora, the gravel explorer. And she was the kindest, most hospitable, generous, kind, warm person. I don't think I would, uh, I think if, you know, I think if I, if I got the, if I was in a ride where it's just like, oh, that's your, that's your bike. That's what you're going to ride with. I probably would have been turned off, but she, she's, she was very welcoming, stuck with me during the whole ride. And ever since then, I was like, this is pretty awesome. Not only can I bike and not have to worry about a car driving me off the road, but the scenery and the company mm-hmm. are pretty amazing. So I started um, I started riding the gravel in the Everglades. And then when I got this job offer to move out, out here in Tucson, uh, I actually sold that bike 
and um, got a new bike over here, an actual gravel bike and uh, actual gravel bike. Is that a, th- is that a thing? Please yeah. correct me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, any bike can be ridden on gravel, um, a hybrid. Right. I actually got an email today from somebody who's doing Unbound and said they have a hybrid bike. Would it work? And I said, yeah, if it's comfortable for you, um, let's make sure, you know, your tires are set up correctly. Um, the yeah. big thing with gravel is making sure your tires are sufficient to not get, you know, punctures and sidewall tears and that sort of thing. But oh yeah, there are yeah. specifically designed gravel bikes. It's become a new <laughs> category because uh, yay capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I did hear, and this is this is me learning as fast as I can. I did hear that gravel bikes are just cyclocross bikes, but rebranded for capitalism. Basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or right. road bikes with wider tire clearance. Uh so I got suckered into this this gravel capitalism thing and bought myself a new gravel bike um, <laughs> from the only woman-owned bike shop in town. Because oh. of course. Yeah, of yes. course. Let's give them yeah. a shout out. What's the name of that oh. shop? Oh, Transit Cycles. It's run and operated and owned by Jenna, um, whose last name I cannot pronounce. Actually, I don't even think we talked about her on the last names. I just know her first. She's just Jenna. Just like Jenna. Nizana, just Jenna. Say, just Jenna. Yeah. Okay. We'll put a link to Transit Cycles in the show notes. Because, <laughs> well, yeah, supporting women-owned businesses is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and so she she made sure, I mean, she knew I didn't know what I was doing when I wanted a gravel bike. So she made sure I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> she made sure I walked away with the right bike. And, um, and I mean, even to this day, people are like, what kind of tires are you on? And I'm like, black but people ask me that and I don't have the answer (laughs) I'm not wrong um so so she 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 took care of me she really made sure I was I was on the right bike and um and yeah I it's 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 been the most hospitable kind experience so far getting into gravel riding and I say that because I'm I want to say that maybe that's a privilege for me and I don't think that everyone has that experience at least that's the kind of gist or sense that I'm getting um especially from the cycling world but that I'm I'm just I'm just reading the room and I don't know Dora the gravel explorer Jenna from transit all the amazing folks the folks at mid-south uh Crystal and Bobby everyone has just been so warm and welcoming so far and I can really see the intention behind getting more folks into the sport. I can really see the effort and energy behind getting more folks of different gender identities, different racial demographics. Um, And, you know, coming from the rowing world, it's not an energy that I could say is matched, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but something obviously, you know, that's in that ball is in my court to change. But as far as what I see being a, be a cyclist in in this in this in in the cycling world in the gravel cycling world. I see the intention out there, and it's really making a difference. And it's such an awesome community to be a part of. Yeah. Oh, that makes me really happy to hear that that has been your experience. Yeah. Um, and I think as more and more folks get into gravel, um, they are having that same experience of you know welcoming and inclusion and. Um, I, I hope that that continues, but it makes me really happy to hear that because um, I think, yeah. you know, that we don't often hear those stories. Um, yeah. We hear the, the the horror stories or I got left behind or, you know, 
just the, the bad i i quoted you earlier today maggie too but stupid is loud um and we we tend to hear those those awful stories because they are louder for some reason um but i'm heartened to hear that and really excited yeah and i mean it's it's not without the negative stuff i mean i'm still the last one on the ride Me but too. i'm like <laughs> i'm like whatever this is my party pace i'm like two parts snack one part speed it's all good i'm just here for yes. the, here for the views here for the company <laughs> i'm writing that down two parts snack one part speed um yeah i never said i was fast <laughs> i'm and, that and then five parts coffee oh yeah for yeah sure. well the nice thing is is speed doesn't make you a good cyclist oh this yeah. is true yeah. Wait, I what mean, makes you a good cyclist? I mean, I think we all get to define that for ourselves. You know, is it mm. climbing? Is it having fun? Is it, you know, making it to work safely? I think we all get to define for ourselves what what good is, you know? Mm. Um, I think I think it, it'd be hard to argue, you know, if somebody does a 50-mile ride or a 100-mile ride and it takes them a long time. Maybe I'm talking about myself in this instance. But it'd be hard to say, oh, they're not a good cyclist just because they went slow. Like, can you ride a bike? Can you? Yeah, I think I think good is such a subjective. I don't know, determinate and. Yeah, yeah, I I have strong feelings on this. As it turns out, <laughs> something to think about. No, I appreciate that. It's it's, it, it's a challenging question. It's a challenging thing, and yeah, I, I I'd let that sit in the in the crock pot for a little bit. And let it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's hard because, you know, I think so much of the narrative and the media that we see is fast people, you know, who's mm -hmm. winning the races, who's getting the sponsorships, mm -hmm. but there's so much more to cycling than going fast. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think about, um, for example, the bike packing team, one of the things we're trying to work on is like, well, they don't have, there aren't medals, you know, like mm -hmm. mother nature will challenge you and mother nature will decide whether or not. <laughs> you are awarded this trip or surviving this trip. And I think there's a lot of emphasis on podiums. Mm -hmm. uh, sponsorships seems to be like the pedigree. It seems to be the currency in cycling. And really there isn't a lot of emphasis on, on like you said, like, you know, the, the better, the good stories, the, yeah. the ones with the better outcomes. So maybe that's something that you'll change, Marley. I, I think I think together we are changing that. You know, <laughs> I think about Mid South, and I have a question for you yeah. about Mid South. But you know, they celebrate every last rider who comes in. Oh, your puppy is very cute. I know uh, she's right in my face. <laughs> she's very very cute. No. Um, but you know, Mid South supports every last rider that comes in, and I think events like that, and more and more events are doing it, are really changing the narrative. And I'm so mm -hmm. grateful for that. Um, so, which distance are you doing at Mid South? I'm registered for the 50 mile. Have you ever ridden a or 50 miles before? I did 47.7 on gravel like a few weeks ago. Heck yeah. And then I did 63 on road, but that was, you know, no buts. I did yeah. 63 on road. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds like you're pretty prepared. How are you feeling about it though? You know, I eat like a cyclist already, so no one can debate me on that in terms of fitness though no one needs to see my Strava it's okay it's all it's all good yeah yeah <laughs> and if I can give you one recommendation for Mid-South um so it's a lot of rolling hills and so if you can maintain your speed going downhill it's going to get mm. you up that next hill so much faster and the miles are just going to fly by 
Oh, fun. So it's kind of just like keeping that momentum. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's, if from what I remember, this was my third year doing it. And I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes after a ride, I forget how bad the hill was or, you know, going out to Steamboat Gravel, there's a hill called Mount Butter. And every year I feel like oh, I yeah. get slapped in the face by it because I don't remember how hard it was. Um, <laughs> that being said, I don't remember there being any like crazy sustained climbs at Mid-South. Um, oh. You know, you'll still get couple thousand feet of elevation over those 50 miles. Um, but I, nothing was insurmountable. I don't think there was anything I had to walk up last year, um, or the year before. So it's a very doable, uh, course for folks of all sorts of fitness levels. Well, that's encouraging. I'm, I'm definitely putting in some miles, uh, but I'm also intimidated that everyone keeps saying, 50 miles on gravel is like a hundred miles on road or I don't know that conversion rate, you know, I don't but... either. Okay. I don't, just don't think about it too much. Okay. Yeah. Done. Just don't think about it. Um, I mean, it will be challenging, especially if it's muddy. Um, if it's mm. muddy, you know, I'm registered for the hundred and if it's muddy, I might drop down to the 12. We'll see what happens. Mm. Um, but you know, it's the, the way I like to tell people is like prepare for all the things that you can prepare for. Like there will always be variables that are out of your control. The weather is mm -hmm. out of your control. The people riding around you are out of your control, but you can control your nutrition, your preparation, your tire pressure, your, all of those things. And so, you know, dial those things in and then whatever happens, you're ready for it. Noted. Noted. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. Of course, you didn't say, ask for advice and that was kind of unsolicited. So I apologize. No, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to ask things. I'm just so new. I just feel like I have so many things to ask, including just basic stuff, but I'm sorry, Maggie, you were going to say something. Yeah. I would say just the people that say that 50 miles on gravel is going to feel like hundred miles on road. Um, one of the things that I can get caught up in when I'm out riding is just what I'm doing. Mm. Um, but especially on gravel, there's something different about gravel. There's just something about it. If you can, if you get into that mode where you feel like you're not moving at all, you just got to look up. Cause for some reason on gravel, there's always something really cool to see, to just bring you back oh. into the moment of, well, dang, I'm having fun. <laughs> well, that's good to know. This is, I'm a little tired. This is a little hard, but I'm having, I'm having fun. Yeah. And as soon as you stop having fun, eat something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Eat something. Because, I mean, I think it's easy to forget that, like, we're doing our favorite thing in the world. Uh, well, I don't know if biking has become your favorite thing in the world yet, but <laughs> you're probably not far away. Uh <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the, the snacks are great. So that's, I'm sold. I'm yeah. sold. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been a really fun conversation. Um, mm -hmm. You already mentioned my last question was, how can folks find you and support you and follow along? Um, and you already covered that. And we'll have a link to uh, your Instagram as well, if you're open to that. Um, but we always close out every show with two guests, or not with two guests. Goodness, it's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> oh, with, dear. Yeah. With coming on now for our surprise guest no uh we have two <laughs> final questions that we finish every episode with um and the first one is like what is your perfect day outside oh you know my perfect day outside is a day where i don't have bills or 
um health insurance is free um <laughs> let's see no my my perfect day outside I mean you've seen my dog climbing on top of me because it's almost dinner time almost it's not not dinner time yet um I mean it's it's really great to bring my dog with me wherever I go I I have videos of me biking with my dog on my back actually the kids don't even yes. know I'm the executive director which is great they all think of me as the lady with the dog and I love that mm -hmm. I would it's yeah so any any day I could spend with Kinsey is is a perfect day outside whether we're biking hiking um she doesn't like boats unfortunately but I'm in the desert so you win Kinsey um, <laughs> <laughs> but no bills no bills okay. is a perfect day that's no that's bills. real talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think yep. we've ever gotten that answer before. Most people nope. just take it super literally and they're like, yeah. 75 degrees, I'm on this trail, um, which there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But I, I appreciate your answer too. <laughs> I, try. I try. No bills, more dogs. I like that. Yeah. Solid answer. <laughs> Thank you. I tried. And then our last question is, what is something that you wish more people would ask you about so that you could talk about more? Mm. This is, I didn't know how to answer this question and I was, well, now I have two answers, but so originally I was like, Ooh, let me, I wish, you know, I was in Costco the other day and I was like, I wish people asked me if I wanted a sample, like if I wanted a sample, like I just yeah, walked by okay. and no one asked. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I could go that route, but it's true. I really, you know, the samples are great, mm -hmm. but, um, I guess real talk, you know, I, 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 like you mentioned early on, Marley, I, I do have a podcast in the rowing world. And we do talk a lot about identity. We do talk about like more so, you know, your race or ethnicity. And I think especially for, I don't want to speak for all people of color, but I know that there's a lot of uh, little things, little experiences. I don't want to say microaggressions, but maybe mm -hmm. that I think everyone Damn, I'm speaking for everyone again. But I think we all can share a lot of those experiences because while on one hand, they're all like small paper cuts over time, it's like, damn, that hurt. Yeah. And maybe maybe this is why there aren't, you know, these folks or that identity in this sport. And mm. having, I don't know if crossover is the right word, but having had one foot in the rowing world and one foot in the cycling world, it's just so fascinating to see the unfortunate similarities and yet the differences and like why doors are closed, why some folks close the doors behind them, uh, mm -hmm. you know, crab in the barrel mentality or just straight up discrimination, which I see the cycling world has some of that. Um, but there's, I think there's a plethora of, of, of experiences there. And I, I, I think you both for having this podcast to amplify those stories. Um, and, and I, I say this not to be like, Oh, let's all hear the negative stuff and focus on the negative stuff, but no, let's look at the problems so we can solve them. And yeah. so we can make this sport more accessible, whatever sport it is. Yeah. Oh, that's Absolutely. a great answer. Mm -hmm. um, what is the name of your rowing podcast in case I'm sure I, I bet you there's more crossover than we realize between cyclists mm. and rowers. Um, I lived in Seattle for 20 years. And so I knew a lot of people who rode. Um, oh. I was never one of them. Um, cause I was always too fat to be a coxswain and too short to be a rower. Mm. It's, it's, it's okay. I didn't really want to be a rower. Mm. <laughs> it's so fun though. 
you don't want to go backwards in a boat without seeing where you're going on a body of water full of planes and other boats. I mean, it could be fun. <laughs> I've had this dream. It didn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, in any case, uh, sorry I manifested that dream, Maggie. Um, uh, the podcast is called Rowing in Color. And okay. thank you for asking. Yeah, we will have a link to that in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Thanks. Denise, that. this has been a really fun conversation. Um, yes, thank you for telling us about El Grupo. Um, such a really cool organization and sounds like y'all are doing some incredible things to empower youth through bikes in the Tucson area. So if you're in that area, look them up, donate, volunteer, um, you know, give them some love because the youth are the future. Yes, they are. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's a wrap. Thank you so much. This is an All Bodies on Bikes podcast powered by Feisty Media. The show is produced by Maggie and Marley and edited by the team at Feisty Media. Thanks for listening.